I'll start. Go for it. <laughs> Hello, climate change. Waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. I'm Amy Kalisher, and I'm here with Lynn Stoddard today. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Amy. <laughs> this is really cool that you could do this, and this is the first time we've talked. I mean, not in life, but in in this format. <laughs> so why don't we start out, you just talk a little bit about what you do for work. Sure. I'm the director of the Institute for Sustainable Energy out at Eastern Connecticut State University. I've been there just about three years. We do work statewide um, with towns, state agencies, and a lot of schools on sustainability and energy work. And yeah, it's been great. Um, We're kind of um, focusing in on one particular area that will be where most of our work is in the, in the foreseeable future. And that is just a really high leverage area of working with towns on sustainability in Connecticut. So, I mean, I can keep going or, yeah, yeah. please do. Okay. In November, we had kind of a soft launch of a new program called Sustainable CT. And what it is, it's a program under development right now, but basically um, it will be a roadmap for towns of all kinds of sustainability actions, things they can do to become more sustainable, um, voluntary, so they pick and choose what they want to do. There'll be some resources and um, funding associated with some of those actions and tools, and there'll be a recognition program, so actually kind of like a certification of towns. If you do a certain number of actions or get a certain number of points, you get recognized, kind of like the lead program for building somewhat. Um, and this is coming out of the, the school? Well, we are hosted at the school, okay. and we're Eastern employees, but our funding all comes from outside sources. So this is an initiative funded by three Connecticut philanthropic foundations, um, the Emily Hall Tremaine Fund Foundation, um, Common Sense Fund, and Hampshire Foundation. Hmm. And they have, for years, been putting money into community, municipal level work in Connecticut, especially with energy and sustainability. Basically in looking at effective programs in other states to help towns with sustainability, we looked at some really interesting models. One of our funders has a really close association with Sustainable Jersey. She provided the seed funding for that program. And um, so we wanted to see how a program like that might work for Connecticut how we should change it, what we should do differently. So about a year ago, the funders and I went to the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, which is the association that represents almost all towns in Connecticut are members. They provide services for towns in terms of lobbying for legislation, protecting their rights, buying um, stuff collectively, that kind of thing. Anyway, so CCM as an aggregated voice of municipalities, we we went and met with them. They're really eager to partner us on figuring out what this program could look like. So they established a task force on sustainability that for about six or seven months we met with. It was mayors and first select people from all over the state to create a vision for what would be important in this program. So looking at other state programs in other states, um, we kind of fine-tuned it to this, you know, major things of the roadmap of actions, tools and resources, and a certification program. So in November, 
um, these mayors on the task force launched their vision to their peers at the annual convention of CCM and said... Say what CCM is again? The Connecticut Conference for Municipalities. Yeah. So um, at the large gathering of Mm -hmm. all town... Mayors. Elected officials and staff people, they shared their vision for this program through um, one of the main sessions and then an in-depth workshop and basically invited others to come along to help create the details of it. So we just had kind of a framework outlined and now we're digging in with all kinds of other stakeholders and lots of other people to get into the details, which, yeah, I mean, I can keep going, but if you want to just talk or ask me. I I mean, there's, we're probably going to not get to everything we could possibly talk to about in this one conversation. So we'll just go with wherever it goes. So yeah, keep going. Well, so right now in, you know, January, the beginning of the 2017, Mm -hmm. we've um, created eight different working groups on sustainability topics like healthy and resilient transportation systems, affordable and accessible housing, some that address land and natural resources and so on. So we have eight kind of categories like this. And for each category, we have two people co-chairing a working group. And those two people are, in some cases, mayors, town managers, directors of economic development, town planners, and so on. So Mm -hmm. strong municipal guidance. And what each of these working groups will do over the next six months is create this roadmap. So you can imagine a list of actions under transportation of things like um, make our streets complete streets, which means streets that are usable by people and vehicles of all modes, so pedestrians, bikes, transit, as mm-hmm. well as vehicles, mm-hmm. or sidewalks, you know, so development that aligns with transit and, and allows for transit. Mm-hmm. So in each of these categories, they'll be, they'll have a dozen or so people on their working group from all different disciplines, including kind of health and equity and university perspectives and so on. What, do you mean to by, what does these. health and equity mean? Um, so public health implications of all these things. So mm-hmm. for transportation, streets that provide mobility for all different kinds of users. So transit comes up, but transit with cleaner fuels. So the health impacts of reducing emissions mm-hmm. from conventional fossil fuel, internal combustion engines, and, and recognizing that you're getting health benefits and you should be designing this so you're getting equity benefits from any of those actions. So equity, so if we're setting up a transit route or rethinking about transit routes, how do we ensure that that meets the needs of all members of the community? I mean, obviously, you know, you've got to optimize and make these things efficient, but setting up transit routes for people who need the most folks, you know, making sure they can bring folks to grocery stores and laundromats and things like that. So, yeah, those themes of improved health and well-being, um, equity, kind of building civic infrastructure and community involvement Mm -hmm. will be common throughout all of these working groups and the actions that we develop. Okay, so that was my next question was about that kind of actions you foresee developing. Um, do you have any 
Yeah. So again, well, we talked a little bit about the transportation right. and action in um, waste might be um, towns adding things f- that are um, for the recycling collection that are beyond what's mandated by the state. Mm. So a couple important things about this whole program is that it's not a regulatory program. There's no state money involved, and it's completely bottom-up, driven by the towns and independent of that, although we have state agencies as strong partners in it. Um, so the actions will be things that we're promoting and supporting and towns are getting kind of recognized for are beyond what's required by any regulation by the state Mm. of Connecticut or federal regulation. So you can't just, it wouldn't just be like, oh, if you recycle everything on Connecticut's list, check. It's, um, you've done different things. You've, you know, Mm -hmm. done more to promote organics collection in your town or home composting or something like that. Right. Or like make your, your town community center solar or something. Right. Those kind of things. Exactly. Cool. So... Where would you go from? I can think of try to think of questions, but what do you think I should be asking you next? Well, <laughs> some people wonder. That sounds cool. Yeah. How can I get involved? Right, or definitely. yeah. Um, so where we're headed is having this whole program designed and developed and in place for next year's annual convention of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, which will be in November. Um, so at that point, we'll have the roadmap and everything. There will be lots of opportunities for people to work, find others in their town that they want to work with on something or um, work with their local elected officials or town staff to, and, you know, try to make some of these things happen. In the meantime, we're spreading the word. We have five regional public forums around the state in January. We've just had three, and we've got... One on Wednesday, I think, at Three Rivers Community College, and the last one's, I think, Friday morning in Seymour. But they're all on our website, www.sustainablect.org. So anyway, people are coming to those, and we're just getting input and having conversations in smaller groups at that about how does sustainability look in your town? Mm-hmm. What would be important right. for a sustainable yeah. Connecticut look or vision well one thing that comes to mind that i see around in this town is there's a lot of forestry happening more than i mean it seems to be more than ever before i don't remember maybe i just didn't notice it as much you know uh, 10 uh, how long have i been here well i guess i could safely say 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean by forestry i mean like i see logging okay yeah and that seems to be that's a concern about sustainability but i think it's probably all on private land um, yeah, well, interesting enough, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. we're doing some logging on our land right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My husband and I own some forest land, and we're doing it for habitat improvement, for mm-hmm. wildlife habitat improvement. So um, cutting trees isn't necessarily bad. Right. And um, for example, our forest is a very uniform stand, so the trees are all about the same age. There's not a lot of diversity. And that means it's particular habitat type, but not a great variety. So we're doing what are called patch cuts. So they're about three acre sections, like a blob within the forest that is essentially being clear cut mm. so that the light can come in and new, what we call early successional growth can start. And that early successional growth is the lower brushy stuff. Right. And 
you need that lower brushy stuff for smaller animals, animals yeah. to thrive and grow and to kind of build more diversity in the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a lot, and you're right, I think it's over 75% of the forest land in Connecticut is in private hands. So a lot of, there's a lot of um, momentum around town or state purchase of land mm-hmm. to protect it. I'm an advocate. I mean, I think there are lots of tools we need on forest management, so I think that's okay. But the fact that uh, the budget situation, it's unlikely that we'll be able to acquire publicly Mm -hmm. all the lands that we need for healthy and effective Mm -hmm. ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really important that since three-quarters of the land is in private hands, um, training those landowners on how to steward their land. And that's exactly what we were lucky to be part of. There's a great program called Coverts. Um, Coverts, C-O-V-E-R-T-S. And a covert okay. is, in fact, like a little brush pile or something in the woods huh. that an animal takes cover in. Huh. So this program is called Coverts. It's run out of Yukon Extension, and it's available to private landowners Um, You go away for a weekend to um, a really beautiful forest in northwestern Connecticut, and they bring in the wildlife people and the forestry people from deep and um, foresters from Yukon, and you walk through the forest and they teach you all kinds of things. And so that's part of why we're doing this um, patch cutting right now in our forest, because we learned that, yeah... um, Forest stewardship isn't about necessarily just leaving it um, as it is in all in all the time. So anyway, getting that's, off on the forestry no, thing, but fine. it's a passion of mine. I'm really interested in it. I, I mean, I I want to talk to you because it's you, not not just because right. of the job that you have. So wherever our conversation goes is fine. And w- I mean, one thing that came comes to mind mm-hmm. when I think of of you and this topic is. I don't even remember how long ago it was now, but maybe it was like a year or maybe two years ago when I was sort of feeling devastated with all the science Mm. um, that was uh, just at that point hitting me, um, what the reality was. And I remember asking you, like, how do you, because at that time, what was your job at that time? I think you, because maybe it was longer ago than two years, but. um, Yeah, I've been at uh, Eastern, at the Institute for three years this week. And then before that, I must have been... Before that, I was with DEP and DEEP for many, many years. And, and I worked in the climate in... change... Department of Energy and Environmental Protection right. for Connecticut. Yeah. So I worked in the climate change program and yeah. um, the energy program at the end. Right. And then I, I think that I had that in mind. You may have already moved on, but I remember asking you, like, you know, how do you... How do you stand it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you talked about grief and... Mm going to did you go to a workshop or did you tell me about a workshop that existed um i've been to a bunch by a woman named joanna macy m-a-c-y who does a really great um kind of uh yeah a workshop in helping people who care or work in the environmental field um yeah kind of come to terms with um grief and voice that and then come out the other side with kind of energy and positive actions to make change um so yeah if anyone's interested in that she has a website that explains everything and, um, and and i'll just say the website for this podcast and i will put in 
your the, the sustainable CT website. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put in the website for Joanna Macy as well, and, and anything else we mention on the website for the podcast, which is hellocc.info. Okay. Yeah. So, Great. Anyway, it helped me to hear you say that, and and that's kind of the the train that I've been on um, in deciding to do this podcast. Is like, okay, we're if we're dealing with it at all, we're we're you know, and we're not in a job where we get. I mean, I'm I'm making some grasses greener support like suppositions here, but mm-hmm. imagining that there's a certain level of support to put your mind on this <laughs> when you're getting a paycheck to do so, um, but when you're sort of feeling like okay, I, I, I don't even know where to begin and you're absorbing the science for the first time. It can just be, it just can feel like too much. So just even just having conversations is, is like taking political action. Exactly. Exactly. It's great. I'm glad you buy that. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, that's one of the things with sustainable CT, the program we're building, um, The power of the program in New Jersey, Sustainable Jersey, Mm. um, the similar program that's um, been around for a while and mature and comprehensive and really successful is that it's it's built a framework for people and communities to engage with each other on these issues. And of course, there are lots of organizations and opportunities to do that. Mm. Um, I guess this is just another one that also connects very closely with mayors and elected officials. So the opportunity to make change in partnership with the leaders in your town, I think is um, maybe a little unique to this um, uh, and really exciting. Mm. I think Um, another, another thing about it that makes it a little different than other programs in New Jersey. um, Well, I mentioned we're funded by private foundations. So there's this kind of degree of, um, autonomy that lets, you know, we have this huge investment by many, many stakeholders in towns and state agencies and nonprofits and whatnot helping to create this. So it gives the opportunity for really a a ground up, um, program that brings, you know, the towns are, everyone's going to make something that brings value. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, not something that's coming down from the top. Um, but in New Jersey, they also were able to because of that and because um, it was a broad framework for all sustainability actions at the local level, corporate sponsors and philanthropic foundations saw it as a really great way to leverage their dollars to communities um, to kind of bring their dollars through this framework um, to support municipal action on sustainability within the roadmap. So in New Jersey, they were able to bring, they do mini grants of a couple million dollars a year, you know, collectively bits and pieces through to towns to help them with this. And that's money that we're not really tapping effectively in Connecticut. It was kind of like build it and they will come for them to build a framework where funders realize if I have a little bit of money I put through this, it's leveraged by uh, you know, this whole framework that's established that towns are buying into and that other funders can help support. Um, and yeah, so that was really an amazing thing because obviously dollars are really important. I want to see if I can really understand how that'll look in practice. Like, Mm. so 
so what does the pot look like right now? And and there's a lot of town. Connecticut is a small state with many, many, many towns in it. 169. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and um, so say one town starts to do some sort of work in terms of thinking about what they can do and what they'd like to do. And um, they decide that what we need is to put in a bike lane on this one particular road, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and they come up with a budget for that and then they send it in as a proposal. Like, how does it work? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. So it will, it will likely be a lot simpler than that. Mm. Um, and so to kind of follow what worked in New Jersey, um, there's a pot of money that a funder gave in this case, let's say to help with bike lanes or to help, create a complete streets ordinance or something Mm -hmm. for your Mm -hmm. town. So if a town's engaged in the program and they decide they want to pursue that action, there's kind of like, you know, here's whatever, a few thousand dollars or something for doing that action. So it's, um, so it doesn't, it's like you're kind of entitled to be supported by some funding to help you take the action. Okay. Um, that's part of the, the whole package rather than writing extensive okay. grant applications. So you kind of have like sort of spell out almost like a menu? Yes, it okay. is. It's a menu. Oh. Yeah. And you say, we want to do, we want to order this item. And yeah. here's sort of the, we want to just a little bit of information to to back that we're serious. Right, yeah. right. And then, but an ordinance is now, like, what does that mean that, that you're working on, um... So, for instance, we'll stick with this one as an idea. So, mm-hmm. does that mean that you're giving funding to help do the studies that need to be done or to actually create the, I don't know. I, yeah, in that case, it might just be a little extra money for staff time or something, or in other cases that are more kind of physically tangible it might be composting containers Mm. or something like that for residents so um and yeah i mean we're creating this now so we don't know exactly how Mm. it's going to look which is really fun Mm. and as we talk to more people in um towns they are saying well you know this is this is what would work for us. So um, it's still sort of a blank slate of mm-hmm. the exact how the program design yeah. will work, which is fun because um, we have a lot of opportunities to, for example, um, incentivize towns to work together um, to mm-hmm. accomplish things rather than just separately, right. um, just the way we set it up and mm-hmm. access to kind of recognition and funding and whatnot. And um, I think that's something we need to see a lot more of. So, yeah. Wow, it's exciting. Do, are you familiar with the transition town mm-hmm. movement? Is, is there any, is there any, I mean, it's, it's, a, very, it's a different thing altogether, but, but the, I'm wondering if there's any overlap in terms of what can be possible. I think there's a lot of overlap. I think oh, people good. involved in transition are likely to be interested in helping their towns. We should probably back actions. up and just yeah. say, will, will you say a little bit about what transition towns hmm. are? Yeah, maybe. Just I mean, it started in the UK, yeah. my understanding. Yeah. It's really locally grown movements to 
transition towns to greater sustainability and right. carbon-free mm-hmm. um, economy and ways and of doing. Maybe so. like one example would be like having a lending library of tools in the neighborhood, right? For example, and small, really small-scale kind of exactly things, rather than everyone having their own lawnmower and snowblower and yep. leaf blower and <laughs> all the blowers everyone needs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or like um, I know Mansfield and Wyndham are doing like I forget what they call them, but repair days. So if you have something that's not working, you bring it, and maybe someone will be there with a sewing machine or someone good with tools. Right, right. So people like yeah. this. It's really truly kind of the sharing economy yeah. of very very. Mansfield is working level. on um, also working on. I I don't know how far along they've gotten in it but but the the library system the public library is working on doing a lending library of tools mm. and i only know this because i designed their logo for them cool um, but i haven't heard how far along they've gotten but i think it was starting idea. out with um you know yard work type of tools but they want to expand to kitchen tools and yep. and whatever uh, sewing machines and blenders and things such so, a great idea yeah. so i guess the integration is that's kind of happening at the very household, individual, neighborhood yeah. kind of level. Right. And sustainable CT will be, um, the manifestation of the change will be more at things within the control and operation of the town as an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you imagine both running kind of, you know, both taking off and working in synergy, it could be amazingly powerful. That's awesome. I was going to ask you about how, I mean, Connecticut is a state that has a great deal of wealth disparity from town to town. So how does that factor in, you know, thinking about environmental justice type of issues? Yeah. Um, Well, it's one of the things that we are, one of the first things most of the town officials say is this has got to work for small towns, big towns, wealthy, right. under-resourced towns, yeah. um, coastal, inland. So I think there will be uh, kind of some customization within the actions to make sure that obviously there are things for any town mm-hmm. to engage in. And if we talk about resilience or something the actions will look a little different if you're living on the coast than if you're living inland, you know, resilience in terms of coping with the current changes to climate change of Mm -hmm. storms and sea level rise and whatnot. So in terms of under-resourced towns, you know, we feel like this is a roadmap and resources and something that can help any town. So, the money will be, we're talking with funders and trying to draw, you know, money in for the initial launch. So ideally if, um, it'll be access to funds that, um, that may not be out there right now and just support that may not be out there. And I'm imagining that, um, towns will probably, there's a lot of kind of peer learning that will be built into the fabric of this. So, sitting down and learning from the towns near you in your region um, and doing things together. So, um, again, really trying to foster towns working collaboratively around things. So um, there may be opportunities where wealthier towns can benefit from um, neighboring towns that aren't as wealthy and kind of working towards some sustainability measures Mm -hmm. together. 
Mm. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, the details is hard to figure out, but yeah. those are all the interesting things that are like, this is what we want this to achieve. I think it's just nice to know that that's, that's right into the initial sort of planning phase. You're really thinking about that, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know how you could possibly take on this topic without thinking about that really, but, um, it's good to hear you talk about it. Yeah, no, it's really important. We're actually, um, you know, we're trying to build diversity and um, include, you know, people of different disciplines, different ages, different ethnicity, different income levels, and so on, um, into the creation of this, serving on these groups and whatnot, which is always challenging um, to be really inclusive and, and, you know, kind of, um, have, have people at the table with the same schedules and all that even. Um, so it's certainly something we're being very intentional about and, um, we're particularly eager to hear from any millennials who we don't have strong representation there, um, on these working groups and whatnot people of color and lower income people. Um, so if anyone's listening, who's really interested in that and who has, in yeah, who lives in Connecticut and who, uh, has ideas of, um, making those connections or, um, you know, wants to help out and is from groups that we want to be sure we include. Yeah. That'd be great. One thing that occurs to me that, that must be part of this sort of puzzle of what, sustainable Connecticut would look like is to be supporting small farms. Mm-hmm. Is, th- is that something you're finding you're already talking about? Yeah, I think it'll be certainly be part of the conversation and the, the menu of actions yeah. of support for small. And so a lot of these things are many programs already in Connecticut. And so I guess I want to make sure I, I say that mm-hmm. we're not creating sustainability programs from scratch. We have a lot of great stuff Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. um, that um, we feel weaving them together in a way that it's easier for towns to access and kind of figure out what steps to take and what to do next Mm -hmm. will be really helpful. So there are, you know, agriculture grants and support programs for small towns um, weaving those into this and combining that with encouraging local, you know, school cafeterias and anything within the operations of a municipality to purchase, um, locally grown foods, Mm. um, will be important farmers markets, that kind of stuff. So cool. Well, there's two thoughts that I'm having a divergence of mind. Like one of them is to Mm -hmm. ask you to talk about more about what your day to day is like? What is what are the the the, the nitty gritty kind of challenges mm. right now? So, yeah, I, it's I'm at the Institute for Sustainable Energy, and um, we're a pretty small staff. We're five and a half um, professionals, and five, in other words, a half part time one part time person, and um, we have seven students that work for us. So they're Eastern students that work about 12 hours a week during the semester because they're studying and then um, essentially up to full time during the summers and the breaks. And so they usually start with us uh, whenever, you know, sophomore year, junior year and stick with us um, until they graduate because it's, we engage them very heavily in our work and um, 
we're actually in a little house on Eastern's campus, one of those little houses on High Street. And so, you know, it's kind of like a family-like atmosphere. And um, yes. the students, uh, we do a lot of mentoring and um, including them in our work. So I mentioned we're having these public forums around the state right now. All the students are coming to at least one and helping with the note-taking and helping with the preparation. And on Friday, we just had three of the forums and we pulled everyone in the house, in the office in and um, students and staff and said, let's just like do a little debrief, like what's working? What do we need to tweak a little bit? And the students, everyone, you know, has great ideas and you get a group thinking going. So we include them as much as we possibly can in kind of decision-making and thinking about our programs and they provide really valuable insights and um, really valuable work. There's a lot of kind of research involved in what we're doing. The students are busy kind of researching sustainability actions in some of these other state programs that we might want to kind of put on a, a list to start the conversation with. Um, they're researching um, data and indicators um, to show, you know, how will we show we've made progress? So if we want to work on transportation, what are the, some of the things that you count to show that? And mm -hmm. like vehicle miles traveled or number of, you know, miles of bike lanes or something like that. So they're doing a bunch of research on gathering that kind of stuff, um, which is great. So the day-to-day -day for me is a mix of working with the staff and the students, presentations, you know, out like at these forums, um, uh, sustainable CT is not the only work we do. We act effectively as uh, the sustainability office for Eastern, kind of the, I'm the, um, I'm the chair of the Green Campus Committee for Eastern, so sometimes we're working on things on campus. We've done a lot to improve Eastern's recycling program um, and our other uh, work that we receive funding for is um, throughout the state, we've been doing a lot of work with the technical high school system the past couple of years on um, basically helping, uh, pulling all their energy data together, putting it in online, one of EPA's online pat platforms to track and benchmark energy use and um, uh, sh showing them the trends in their energy use mm -hmm. and then working with them with some of the incentive and utility programs in Connecticut to connect with those so that they... We just got a lot of lighting upgrades where they're saving a bunch of money and energy. And um, so that works. Yeah, we're still doing a lot of that kind of work, too. We ha run a program called Greenleaf Schools, which is um, in engaging K-12 schools in sustainability in kind of three different areas. One um, in the curriculum, in the classroom. Two, in their resource use, so energy efficiency, recycling, and so on. And three, um, kind of health and wellness for staff and students, so healthier lunches, um, gardens, things like that. Um, so Greenleaf Schools has over 107, I think about 107 schools in the state engaged in that program. And, and we're doing workshops, and that's a collaborative of um, wow. state agencies and many organizations. Most of our work is very much um, strong partnerships with lots of other groups and um, players and great teams. I would imagine one of the challenges would be um, getting the word out that you're doing this project, that, pe that anybody can get engaged in it. 
um, with sustainable CT. Yeah. Or I guess um, I'm going back to that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've kind of taken the approach that town elected officials and staff are the primary kind of first audience and partners in this because mm-hmm. we have to create a program that works for them if it's trying to help them. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, the vision. Right. Um, obviously, citizens and, you know, folks involved in transition or any the transition movement or anything in towns will be really um, important in this as well. In this building phase, we're, again, you know, tapping a lot into what's the vision of um, mayors and select people in how this program should work and um, and help them. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through the Connecticut Conference for Municipalities, which is where they meet and discuss issues of importance to them, was a good way to get the word out. And we're also um, going, we have a, um, building a strong partnership with the councils of governments in Connecticut. So we don't have we don't really have county-wide stuff in Connecticut. And so there are regional groups of towns that um, are called Council of Governments, and there's nine of them. And essentially they have some staff that support things that towns um, care about and can do collaboratively within a region. Um, So those are well-established places where mayors and selectmen and um, planners and economic development directors go to meet Mm -hmm. and work on issues together. So it's a logical place um, for us to go and listen and um, engage with them. So, yeah, it's actually been interesting to see how quickly there's kind of a recognition of this program as we're building it, Mm -hmm. Um, I guess just from those kinds of outreach methods. So are you finding that denying climate change is much of a friction point anymore in this? No. You think that people get it, that it's as serious as it is? Uh, that, or how, how do you, maybe I should just ask you directly, like, how do you see it? What do you see the challenge as? Um, I think in Connecticut, we're really fortunate mm. um, to be in a place where our state agencies and the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection and our governor um, talk about climate change, our, our um actively developing programs and plans to um, address climate change. So I think that's a huge help. I rarely, rarely have conversations about climate science these days. Mm. Sustainable CT, we're really talking about how do we build healthy, resilient, livable communities. Mm. It totally dovetails with climate change and has a lot of implications on greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but it's also about saving money and using resources efficiently, Mm -hmm. which is, those things are important to pretty much everyone, right? especially the saving budget part. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we haven't pushed, um, you you must do this for a reason of believing in climate change because I just don't think that's the reason everyone will come to this. Mm -hmm. And I don't. I think it's really important for society to realize where we are and the dangers of climate change. But um, that's not the goal of this program. This program is about change mm-hmm. and making effective change happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that resonates for me also just 
in the this is maybe the forty fifth or four, actually that's very really? ironic maybe the forty fifth <laughs> episode of this. Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm forty five. No, no, please. I'm just thinking about forty fifth. Can president. I be forty four? Oh yeah, I know. I thought you said the forty fifth episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, could I have been the forty fourth? Oh felt oh, maybe you are. It's I a joke. It up, but anyway, <laughs> but um, where was I going? Oh, when I started out, I was. I found that a lot of the conversations sort of gravitated back towards like personal conservation type of actions. Like, mm. um, we really should, uh, put in better insulation and, and, and what we can do, what can we do to, to stop buying so many single serve plastic bottles and, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things. And it, it felt sort of, I don't know, it felt like it was frustrating that that's as far as I could kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the other thing was just, that I could tell that I needed to process, like I needed to absorb the information and mm-hmm. then had to feel the emotions that come along with that. And so that was as far as I got. And lately, I guess I take this as a, it's almost like having a healthy appetite is a good sign of health or something mm-hmm. um, that I now feel like itching to have a strategy or something or have like a, to to engage on a, on a wider level and to, to feel clear that the, place I'm putting my energy makes sense mm-hmm. rather than like, I, like the, I had went back and forth quite a bit about the, all the marches that were happening mm-hmm. Sunday and, um, whether or not I wanted to put my energy there. And ultimately it, it wasn't, I don't think it's that important of a decision for any individual, whether or not they're doing that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just whether it makes sense for you and, and is brings you closer to something even more important to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So where am I going with this line of questioning or, or talking? I mean, it's not really a question, is it? Well, everyone comes at these things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think we, cause we started on this little part and talking about climate change and yeah. deniers. And I said that wasn't necessarily how the angle we were coming at mm-hmm. it from. So Yeah. People, I think um, if you put an opportunity for solutions or a menu or a roadmap out there mm-hmm. that's flexible and there will be people who want to help make their community bike friendly because they're bike racers. Yeah, that's right. great. Yeah, yeah. And then the bike commuters yeah. will benefit. Right, right. That's great. Yeah. If that's all they care about, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And there's something that everyone cares about that... Yeah they can, I think, engage with others in their community um, that will benefit. So then let me put the question to you. What what do you care about? I mean, we're talking about all these big things, and they're probably the answer is everything you just said. But but for you personally, what, where does it come from? You mean what do I do? What, how do I live? Um, I guess I mean, like, what is the what drives you? Like, what is it that you personally care about that, you, you know, that... What is your personal vision and hope? What is your personal? Hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I want to get to know. Um, yeah, to get to know I, well, I'm deeply concerned about um, climate. Obviously, I'm also. I mean, kind of. I have these, as we all do, very big global concerns, and then there's how do you live your life as a result of that, and everything else that you care about. So for me, things you know, multiple things come together. And I mentioned the forestry stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. I'm really interested in the forest management stuff now, just kind of as a, a novice, you know, having been able to learn from people who shared information and trying some things to make our forest a little um, healthier and provide more eco ecosystem services, I guess. I don't know, it's kind of a geeky word, but yeah. Um, yeah, healthier and better for wildlife and um, carbon sequestration, air filtering and whatnot. Mm. I've, we've also been really um, active in growing most of our own food, um, meat in, as well. So that's um, something that, you know, people align differently around these things and mm -hmm. uh, many people will not eat meat um, for environmental reasons. For me, raising meat here in Connecticut um, and having sheep eat um, grass or pasture that other people in my neighborhood are mowing with lawnmowers to look pretty. Um, basically making that green stuff that grows a, a resource that's used mm -hmm. for something rather than using resources and inputs. And by the way, the sheep fertilize it too while they're going. Right. Um, and then you're growing food for people um, that you know where it's been, it's been treated healthily, the soil's been re regenerated, um, and, you know, we kind of have our whole little cycle of composting and um, trying to keep um, a system going on our little farm. Yeah, um, and, I've, and I'll just say for the benefit of people listening, I've been to your little farm, and it, it is a little farm. It's, it's like a little. backyard. Yes. You basically do it all in, I don't know, a couple acres? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very small, but we rotate things at different times a year, and um, yeah. So for me, that and I have a big vegetable garden too. So um, I just like being really in touch with where food comes from, and having an impact on food so that it improves the soil and the land, and improves the people who are eating it, mm -hmm. and improves the whole food system by keeping it lo local and minimizing mm -hmm. impacts and exports and imports and all that. So, um, I don't know, it's something I'm, I used to work in Hartford at Department of Energy Environmental Protection. So now that I'm at Eastern, I can ride my bike from stores to work. Um, I don't do it in the darkness of winter, which right. I could if I were more diehard. Um, but I love it. That's a great um, opportunity that I didn't have. I couldn't do much before mm -hmm. um, with the long commute to Hartford. So, um, yeah, things like that. And they all kind of spin off, you know, us growing our own food. As our kids were growing up, you know, other kids would come over and say, how, how can you eat that cute lamb or whatever? Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity for our kids to learn where food comes from and ask questions about it. And I, we always said to them, We'll be delighted, however you choose to eat in the future, because you'll think about it. Right. You know where it comes from. And if you decide to be vegetarian or vegan, you've done it because you really know. Um, right. So um, it was a great learning opportunity just, you know, as people kind of get to know you and ask questions mm -hmm. that 
we don't have to rely on completely on the industrial food system right. and we can grow a lot of that ourselves or um, buy from others who are growing here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'm trying to do more of that here. Mm-hmm. Um, I <clears throat> haven't figured out doing any animals, um, though I keep trying to learn more. It's Start a little intimidating. That's, that, we have a lot of uh, predatory birds around, yeah. so I'm a little bit scared of that. Um, the first challenge is that I need a coop. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, it's it, in, a friend of mine built a coop last year, and I went over saw it and you know I've g- gathered some information and I haven't given up on it that that's that's one of the things that I've that's does seem to make sense as a place to start another place might be rabbits mm-hmm. that might work too so I have to think about it but um but anyway with the garden itself I expanded my garden uh, quite a bit and then I have a huge vole problem mm-hmm. they come up through yeah. the roots of my lettuce and just eat, you know, eat these gorgeous, I had this gorgeous bed of lettuce this year and I just like loved looking at it. I almost didn't want to pick anything. And yeah. then I was like, oh my gosh, it's a, there's a hole right in the middle of that. But yeah. So anyway, that's my challenge. And I, and the, the seems like the best solution is a cat, but there's allergies in my house. I get, I get stymied by these little stumbling blocks yeah. very easily, but I'm continuing to try to just gently push myself a little forward. Yeah. Um, we cleared some brush that took over a section of our yard, which will make it possible to expand. And so some, it, it's happening slowly, but nice. But you, more people need to take out their yeah. lawns like yeah. Michelle Obama did mm-hmm. and make it into food production. Mm-hmm. And yeah, chi- I think laying ha- chickens, egg chickens mm-hmm. are a really great way to start. And you can just get a couple or two or three. And there's some really sweet little coops mm-hmm. like, that you can build, or Thompsons and places like that have oh, have them. Have and ready-made ones. Huh? Yeah. We have, I mean, our biggest problem is red-tailed hawks eating mm-hmm. our chickens. Um, in fact, we have none right now for the first time in 20 years because the, they were getting decimated so fast, I finally wow. gave the last two away because I said we just got to reboot mm-hmm. in the spring with a new system. And so we're taking a break so that they... Um, aren't coming back every night. Right, the hawks are, go find somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. But if you do a couple, and you can, you know, you can, people build kind of big, huge cages so that there's, um, you know, nothing can get in from the top, and Mm -hmm. the chickens can still range around a little bit Mm -hmm. and get fresh air. Yeah, it would be really cool to have one of those that you can move around and have them take up. Take, go through the whole yard. Well, thank you for the inspiration. I'll continue to keep asking myself, come on, come on. You know. Chickens. Chickens. They're so fun, too, <laughs> and they're really curious. Yeah. And you get to harvest every day, right. even when it's zero degrees. Really? They're still laying. Wow. You know, they slow down in the winter yeah. because of yeah. the light. But, um, yeah, mm. it's not much you can harvest all year in this state. That's true. <laughs> Um, mushrooms, maybe you could do them in your basement. Yeah. I've been thinking about doing that too. Mm. One thing else I wanted to, let's, we're coming towards the end of our time. Okay. So I'm trying to frame this question in a way that isn't like terrible, but I won't even try. I'll just (laughs) say Trump is now our president for the last, what, day or two? Yeah. How's that? How's that for you? (laughs) Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's horrifying as Mm. it is for many of us, but, I am already seeing a silver lining. Mm. 
we saw hundreds of thousands of women marching, some who had never taken part in any kind of civic expression Mm -hmm. before. Uh, Donations to Planned Parenthood and nonprofits are way up. So there's something in that, that people are saying this is unacceptable and I have to do something. I think that's that part of it is awesome and that is giving us a huge moment a huge opportunity to tap into that and give people connections and a path to follow um to help create change and I also think you know the work we're doing here in Connecticut is at the very local level with towns and um that's where we'll be stuck for a while um, I don't see it as stuck because I think it's, it's always been a really vibrant place for change, but we're limited in other areas now. So, so much the more, um, power to local action and making change at the local yeah. level. Um, so yeah, it's going to be rough to navigate, but, um, we got to see where those opportunities are mm-hmm. and latch onto them and hold hands and feel the power together and do it. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of opportunity ahead through that, through that feeling, the feelings people are having and, and the situation. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of exciting. And it's a horrifying and exciting at the same time, the, the situation now. And seeing, um, you know, people call together groups of friends to just sit down over a potluck and talk about like, okay, wh- what can we do? Mm-hmm. And just, just, I mean, that's something, you know... <sighs> I don't have that experience in my lifetime of having friends sit down and try to figure out how to change the world or right. our corner of it, which is really, you know, fine to just choose your corner. We can we are now in a time in the world where we all have a platform where we can organize anything. You know, the internet. It's not right. that hard. So, um, so yeah, I like that. That's a good note to end on for today. <laughs> anything else you want to say? Um... I guess just to, yeah, we shouldn't be so discouraged by what's happening in Washington that we let it take over our lives, just like we shouldn't have with Mm 9-11. We got through that. There were wonderful acts of kindness and generosity and public change and movement, and we'll do that again. Yeah. The button you have on, can you tell us what it says? It looks like a little campaign sticker, and it says, just be nice, (laughs) with stars on it. And I can't take credit. It was one of, I can't remember her name, one of the former uh, state troubadours for Connecticut, Mm -hmm. sang at Breadbox recently, the past couple months, and was handing these out. She actually was joking about it once, and someone said, no, let's start the Just Be Nice party. And so um, she hands out these stickers (laughs) when she's singing in schools and communities. Awesome. It seemed really appropriate for today. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love it. I want one now. <laughs> just go on. You can do justbenice.org or something. Um, I'll yeah, find it. I'll there. find it, and I'll put the link on this. Yeah. Thank you for talking with me. Thank Dan. you. It was a great opportunity. Thank you.